Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the 25-8 Sportscast, episode 51. A lot on tap for you here tonight. Uh, but first, let me introduce you to my lovely assistant, Jet Rosenstein. Jet, how you doing today? Always doing great. Um, it's a warm Tuesday night uh, here in Tampa, Florida, but excited to always be a part of this great podcast and and talk sports. And, you know, this is a great time of year for a lot of people, obviously with the NFL season right along the way. Um, but, yeah, we have a exciting show in store. Yeah, very exciting show in store. I am absolutely ecstatic for the upcoming NFL season. Uh, I'd like to first give a little bit of a, a side announcement. If you do hear some heavy breathing or some sniffling and coughing, you're going to have to excuse me because I am working with a bit of a cold right now. Um, At-home COVID test came back negative, so you're not going to catch anything through the screen most likely. Um, today, we do have an interesting one here for our randomized NFL teams game. <laughs> Tomorrow's episode, we are going to do Bills-Rams to preview the opening game. But today we have the Cincinnati Bengals at the New York Jets. Three minutes left in the second quarter, and we see the Jets up 3 nothing. Jets. Wow. So you're, you're the mascot for this team today, Jets-Jets. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Jet, anything you'd like to kind of say there? No, interesting. Um, could this be a little bit of foreshadowing of what's to come maybe for the Bengals this season? I mean, I don't think we well, think, I think that's – I think it's foreshadow of what's coming for the Jets. Well, um, With guys yeah. like Brees Hall, Elijah Moore, and, and other offensive powerhouses on this team. Yeah, stacking um, guys on poor offenses on a fantasy team, it's, it's a strategy, definitely. Is it a winning strategy? Probably not. Um, but, yeah. Well, I'm excited to see what, what the outcome of this game ends up being. Same here, Jet. We have quite a few things to get to today as, as Jet continues to just smear my fantasy team in the mud. But God forgive him for he knows not what he's talking about. It will all come true. Ayo, Soprendon. Soon. <laughs> Ayo, Soprendon. Exactly. We're going to talk about the college football playoff structure finally mercifully changing to something a little bit more viewer friendly and a little bit more not Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Clemson, the same shithead teams every year, Ohio State friendly. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about our final revision to the Major League Baseball playoffs. Uh, as you remember, if you've been keeping up, we did the first quarter revision, the midseason slash all-star break revision. And now we're doing our three quarters revision, and yeah, this is our this is basically our, our last chance to get one through six seeds in each conference correct, uh, each league I should say correct. And then we also have fantasy power rankings, and I know a lot of you guys that are tuned in for the first time are here solely for this, <laughs> so we are going to try to get that out of the way early for you guys, so that way you don't have to skip through the episode, even though. You know, we are a very listener-friendly show that has timestamps in the description every episode and every episode out. Well, maybe Jet. for this one, maybe for this one, uh, I won't put any timestamps. So right, let us skip around. Yeah, yeah of course, our new listeners to figure out when <laughs> those power rankings are coming. I think that's a great idea, Jet. So college football playoff structure. Let's, let's start with that, then we'll get into fantasy power rankings. Yeah, so like Tommy was saying, I mean, this is this was much awaited, much needed. Obviously, the college football playoff committee and um, 
schools across the country didn't necessarily believe this was needed. Um, but it's looking like they're going to be implementing this as early as possibly 2024. The initial agreement is it's going to be in 2026, but some of the conferences want to try and implement it as soon as 2024. And basically uh, how it's going to work is the uh, top four teams are going to be based off of conference champions, so the best conference champions ranked in order, and then five through 12 um, obviously will be based off of where the uh, college football playoff committee has them ranked, and then those teams will play each other in a first round. Uh, looks like on the second or third weekend of December, and then the quarterfinals and semifinals will be in bowl games on a rotating basis, and then the championship game, like always, will be at a neutral site. But um, a lot of – yeah, one, one other thing I want to say, a lot, yeah. a lot of the issue with, you know, this kind of holdup in, in getting this approved was some of the conferences, including um, I believe the Pac-12 was one of the big ones. It was the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC. They were kind of leery to allow this to happen because, I mean – from for the Big Ten anyway, obviously you have you have Ohio State, and not that they would be in danger not being in it if they expanded it to twelve, but they wanted to keep it with the best of the best and other conferences. Which for the first time we saw Cincinnati in this college football playoff. Not not often we see that, and I think the point of this is to get those kinds of teams better chances. And yes, they may get blown out fifty five nothing by Alabama or whoever they're playing in the first round, but at least it gives them those opportunities to compete with some of these teams. And, you know, honestly, they, they usually don't aren't given this opportunity. So I think it's a great thing to see. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And, and did you want to walk us through what last year's college football playoff would have looked like yeah. had this been implemented last year? Yeah, so basically, if we look at this original format, so the number one and two seeds, Alabama and Michigan respectively, would still be the same. And then number three, it would not be Georgia because they want the top four teams as far as conference champions. Georgia lost in the SEC championship game to Alabama. So after Alabama, Michigan, um, it would then go to Cincinnati would have been the number three seed in this. They were 13-0, won the AAC championship game. And then after that, um, it's not Notre Dame at five because they're not in a conference. It's not um, Ohio State because they didn't even make it to their Big Ten, Ten championship game. You have to go down to number seven, Baylor, who won the Big 12 championship game. Um, so they would be the four seed in this. And then five through 12, then you just go back to the top and go down. Five would be Georgia. Six would be Notre Dame. Seven would be Ohio State. Eight would be Ole Miss. Nine would be Oklahoma State. Ten would be Michigan State. Eleven would be Utah and 12 would be Pittsburgh. So you see a lot of teams that you don't really hear about often just because they're not, you know, of the elite of the elite, but they would be given getting those chances, which would be um, really nice to see. And it, based, based off of this, it's, it would look like a matchup of Georgia versus Pittsburgh, um, Notre Dame versus Utah, Ohio State versus Michigan, Baylor versus Oklahoma State. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, so then Ole Miss would play um, – did I say Notre Dame? Yeah, you said Notre Dame would but play uh, – Something get the, like that, yeah. Something like that. Gist. 
Yeah, the only thing that I don't like is I wish that it would just do the top 12 as far as yeah. actual votes goes. <laughs> I mean, I understand what they're trying to do, get different teams involved. Like, if, if a team plays well that really maybe hadn't played that well in the regular season and they win their bowl game, they get the chance to be instantly inserted. But I, I think it also gives a chance to kind of screw a team that's been real good all season. Right. Um, yeah, and then obviously, you know, if we were talking about 2017, we would have had to change the 2017 national title for UCF, not to a claimed title. We'd have to actually make that a, a world-renowned title for UCF because they obviously would have steamrolled Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State. Um, it was the only five ranked above them. But, right. you know, you, you, you get the gist. It's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I'm excited, to. This is going to be the first college football when this happens. Playoffs that I watch every second of. I'm trying to get into college football a little bit this season. I watched the Georgia-Oregon game. If that's a typical three versus 11 seed, I'm not really too sure how the 11 and 12 seeds are going to fare in these new playoffs. <laughs> but, uh, you know, 49 to three in a playoff game in the NFL would be like – deflate gate all over again right. pretty much yeah. but let's not talk too much about my Andrew Luck Colts <laughs> no that that's the thing like for me I, I've never been that into college football and I think for me the biggest reason is is you see a lot of the games 55 nothing 49-3 like these big games when like when you have an Alabama going up against a Utah State or a, a University of Miami going up uh, against Bethune-Cookman like these are matchups that you know what's going to happen. Not really exciting. It's it's the matchups like the Ohio State, Notre Dame, Georgia, Oregon, which we was supposed to be somewhat decent of a matchup. I mean, those are the ones obviously we look forward to. For me, I don't really start watching until the bowl games when you know you're going to have some more competitive games because throughout the year, a lot of mismatches. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good games, but um, I think, you know, it'll be very interesting once this playoff format gets underway. Very interesting to see, like, if we see a, a lower seed potentially upset a top seed right. and and make it, you know, to the end. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that'd be exciting. I think a lot of college football is coaching more so than the NFL, really. Like, I don't think we would ever really see Nick Saban lose to, like, a an 11 seed, like Wisconsin right. or, or somebody like that. But, you know, it's it's – there's always the chance, which makes it more interesting to watch, I think, as a fan and a viewer. Um, so, yeah, those are our takes on it. I think it's an overall good change. You you agree? Yes, absolutely. All right, let's get into these fantasy power rankings. I know our viewers are patiently awaiting this. I know these 10 minutes have been torturous for you guys. Uh, I'll start it off by, by giving you basically my formula that calculated – these rankings. Well, first, first tell us, tell us, tell everyone what this league is and who's in this league and, and a little okay. bit of background around that. Yeah. So first off, this league is a league of 10 friends, mostly my friends. A lot of the other people in this league don't really know each other too well. Um, I have me, my brother, my brother-in-law, Papa Carl, my, fa my father, and I also have Jet, um, and quite a few other friends that we made at Tampa, Brandon, who I've mentioned before, um, Mike, who, you know, wanted to be go called Big Sexy on the show quite some time back. And then, you know, Matt, the Bills fan, who else didn't I mention? Charles and Jared, you guys really haven't heard a whole lot about at all. But th th that's the 10-man league that we're rocking with right now. Um, a little bit of the structuring of the league. It is a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, 
a tight end whose receptions are worth 1.25 points, two flexes, a kicker who scores higher than most kickers leagues, I'll leave it at that, and a defense who also scores a little bit higher than most other leagues as well. So kickers, defenses, tight ends, and quarterbacks who also score a little bit higher as well. Um, they also get 0.1 point per completion. So if a quarterback throws for 200 yards on 10 passes, they'll get one point for 10 completions, and then obviously the normal eight points for 200 passing yards. Um, so that's the only change for quarterbacks. But it's an interesting league. It's I think it's going to be fun to see how kickers and tight ends and defenses and quarterbacks kind of play into it. But that's the structuring. Those are the people in the league. Um, Jet, do you want to start us off with how the JDR formula has everybody ranking out? Yeah, so, uh, you know, everyone on here is pretty much familiar with how the JDR metric uh, works. And uh, basically how I structured these rankings is I went position by position in the starting lineup, and I took the first three bench spots, excluded kicker and defense, because for me, they're the most irrelevant positions in fantasy football, even with there being a little bit more points added uh, for them here. But I waited well, it's, each it's, position. It's, it's funny you should say that because you have a bottom three kicker in this league. Clearly, yeah, that's fine. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to hurt me too much. But basically, what I did is I gave a weight to each position. So the highest weight for me is going to be RB one with a, an additional nine-time multiplier, and then it goes down to tight end one, which is eight-time multiplier, then um, wide receiver one, which is seven-time multiplier, flex one, which is a six-time multiplier, quarterback one, which is a five-time multiplier, wide receiver, uh, no, running back two, which is a four-time multiplier, wide receiver two, which is a three-time multiplier, Flex two, which is a two times multiplier, and then each of the bench spots, no multiplier, just uh, took the points as it is. And the points are um, accumulated by the top team with that top player, that position got 10 points all the way down to the worst player on the wor on the on a specific team. Worst player at that position got one point, went through each of those positions that I mentioned, totaled up all the weighted points, and it spit out a great set of rankings. Yeah, I have pretty similar ones. Um, I just went through six position groups. I went with quarterback, running back room, wide receiver room, tight end room, which, you know, you really wouldn't normally say when it comes to fantasy football, but we do have a few guys in this league that it, it makes the word room prominent for this position. Bench as a whole and kicker. I didn't mess with defense because I didn't draft a defense. Quite a few other guys in this league didn't draft the defense, and defense is a revolving door anyways as it goes in fantasy football unless you maybe get the best one. But even then, a lot of times, the top-ranked defense preseason does not score the most points. So, yeah, so I, I have my kicker as no multiplier. I think it's an important position to note, but there's no multiplier added to it. I have my bench with a three-times multiplier, wide receiver room with a – nine times multiplier quarterback with a five times multiplier tight end with a seven times multiplier and running back room with the highest multiplier of 11 times um obviously same as jet uh ranked everybody from one to ten and each position as it goes down loses a point so obviously 
if a team has the if the team drafted Josh Allen, they are first place as quarterback goes, but that first place corresponds with the number 10. And like I said, um, if you have Josh Allen, that counts as 50 points for my metric because, like I said, quarterback is multiplied by five and first place corresponds with the number 10. Hopefully that makes sense. And the I will say really quickly, the most possible points, if you had first in every single six, all six of these positions, the most amount of points you could score is 370 points, Jeff. If for me, for mine, the max is 470. Okay, so yeah, it, just because you wanted to add, you know, running back two, wide receiver two, I get it. I understand. No tight end twos for you because you don't draft those. But uh, yeah, interesting to get into. Jet, let's start us off. Who's your number 10 and break down why he's there? Yeah, my number 10 team is Carl from Curbside Streetery. Um, you know, what the funny thing is, is when I look at his team, there's there's a few guys that I absolutely love this year as far as Saquon Barkley, Travis Etienne, Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, his core uh, running backs and wide receivers, and he has Joe Burrow at quarterback, Dawson Knox at tight end, and then Chase Edmonds and Gabe Davis as his two flexes. And, I mean, the reason is that he ranks so low is compared to a lot of the other teams in this league, um, he just does not have as strong as players at those positions. Uh, for me, um, I have him having the fourth worst or the, yeah, the fourth or the ninth best quarterback or no, there's yeah seventh best quarterback. There's, there's 10 teams in this league. I've done <laughs> so many different uh, formats. So the seventh best quarterback uh, RB1, I have him as the ninth best RB1. I love uh, Saquon Barkley, but would have obviously preferred having him as my RB2. Um, I have Carl having the fifth best RB2 in Travis Etienne, the um, third best wide receiver one in Jamar Chase, the, the first best wide receiver two in Debo Samuel, the um, the ninth best tight end in Dawson Knox, and then flex, bottom, uh, bottom first flex, fifth second flex, and then bench bottom for each of the three spots. I think that's really where he lost me is the bench and the two flexes just is not as strong as the, some of the other teams in this league. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I think Gabe Davis was drafted a little bit early in round five. Dawson Knox was drafted a little bit too early in round six. And a couple other points where I just think, you know, a different direction would have been a little bit more useful. A lot of Giants on this, uh, on this team, a lot of Bills on this team. That was pretty much the common theme from out this, Carl. Uh, but, yeah, he comes in at number 10 for me. All right, I'll get to him in a little bit later. My number 10 team is – Jared Doyle, and you look at his team and it doesn't look that bad. I, he got shafted his first two rounds with auto draft picks. Uh, honestly, the first pick wasn't bad with Najee. I think the fifth or sixth overall, um, and then Mike Evans uh, on the way back in the second round. This team is better than it ranked out, but I had to put his wide receiver ranking so low because the only wide receivers on his roster when I made this were Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, and DeAndre Hopkins, he then picked up Devontae Parker a little bit later. But DeAndre Hopkins is suspended for six games. He's good to miss another two to three a year per injury. Um, so just because of the, the major lack of depth to start the year, 
his wide receivers ranked horribly, and, and that's his team is better than I think he finished on this. But I gave him the fourth best quarterback in Justin Herbert. I gave him the fifth best running back room with Najee Harris, James Conner, Elijah Mitchell, Clyde Edwards, Elaire, Jamal Williams, James Robinson, a ton of depth there. I think the top two are really good picks. After that, I think Elijah Mitchell has quite a bit of boomer bust potential. Clyde Edwards, Lair, I'm not a fan of this year. Jamal will be prominent, and James will be prominent, both in their backup roles if, if it should come to that they start uh, any games this year. I gave him the worst wide receiving room, like I said before, about the depth. Um, seventh best tight end in the league with TJ Hawkinson. I gave him the seventh best kicker in the league with Daniel Carlson, and this is why I ranked kickers. Daniel Carlson is projected 11 points week one with the, the way we have kickers scoring. Um, and then I gave him the worst bench in the league as well because none of these guys are, are really plug and play at all. Um, this was also, like I mentioned, done before Devontae Parker was picked up off the waiver wire. But Jamal Williams, James Robinson, Albert O, both, all three unstartable um, unless Albert O can break out. But at that point, he already has TJ Hawkinson. So he doesn't really have a ton of – and he has a defense on his bench as well and an, a second quarterback. So this is the worst bench in the league to me. For that reason, he ranked out at a 145 out of 370. But like I said, wide receiving room, if he maybe – if DeAndre Hopkins comes back, the other two stay healthy, I can see it moving up to like seven, five, six, seven. Um, and that, at that point, his, his entire rankings would shoot up quite a bit because he's only – Eight points behind ninth place team. So, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll get to Jared in a little bit. But number nine for me is Charles, uh, Team Santa's batteries. Uh, he got two hundred. And <laughs> what does that even mean? Do you know what that means? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't. Um, I, I don't know if I want to know. But uh, <laughs> two hundred and twenty-one points for Charles. Uh, he picked from the eighth spot in this draft. His first pick. Ended up getting Cooper Cup. I thought that was great value there with his first pick. And then I think on the wraparound, he ended up going Nick Chubb. It seems like he's pretty enamored by Nick Chubb in a lot of his drafts that I've seen him do. <laughs> seems like that's a staple in, in, in his uh, fantasy football teams. But as far as the breakdown, I think he has the third best quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, the 10th best RB1 in Nick Chubb, the eighth best RB2 in Bruce Hall, the second best wide receiver one in Cooper Cup, the sixth best wide receiver two in Terry McLaurin, the sixth best tight end one in Darren Waller, the seventh best flex one in Rashad Bateman, the seventh best flex two in Elijah Moore, the seventh, uh, the eighth best bench player one in Cordero Patterson, the, the uh, seventh best bench player two in Kenneth Gainwell, and the eighth uh, best bench player three in Garrett Wilson. So Charles comes in at number nine for me. Yeah, Charles is my number nine as well. Um, I have his quarterback ranked quite a bit lower than you did. I have Patrick Mahomes as the eighth best quarterback in this league, regardless of draft position. I don't think he's going to score a ton of points this year. Not a lot of rushing upside with him, as we know. Um, and it's, it's, Pat, it's Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Juju Smith-Schuster. I think that the loss of Tyreek Hill is going to hurt his fantasy stock. He wasn't he wasn't like an insane fantasy quarterback last year anyway. Um, a lot of turnovers. 
I think that we could see him take a bit of regression as far as fantasy goes. He's still an unbelievable quarterback, but eighth best, uh, yeah, eighth best quarterback. I have him with the worst running back room in the league. Nick Chubb is your one who I'm not high on at all. Um, they're going to stack the box heavily against this Cleveland Browns team with Jacoby Brissett under center. Brees Hall is the two. Ton of upside with that pick, but to go into week one with him as your second best running back, it's super tough to really expect more than 10 points a game. Uh, as running back three, Cordero Patterson, as Jet talked about a little bit, I think that's the worst running back room in the league by quite a bit. I gave him the second best wide receiver room in the league, all due to Cooper Cup. Terry McLaurin as well, who I talked about a little bit on the show quite a few weeks back, honestly, like right when offseason first started, about or right when Carson Wentz first signed there, about how he could be a good wide receiver in fantasy just because Wentz loves throwing the ball up. Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, both guys who are the clear ones on their team. He also got Garrett Wilson, who would be the two on that team. So he has a lot of upside in his wide receiver room, so I gave him the second best there. I gave him the sixth best tight end as well. And Darren Waller, I gave him the ninth best kicker, so the second worst in Will Lutz. I think that as far as skill goes, it's not a bad pick, but with a team that's not going to score a whole bunch compared to, you know, other kickers in fantasy football, the Saints are pretty low. And then bench, I gave him the eighth best bench, so the third worst. Cordero Patterson, Kenneth Gainwell, Michael Gallup, who's going to be out for a little bit. Garrett Wilson, Cole Komet, Isaiah Likely. I think Isaiah Likely to be rostered in a 10-man league is, is really questionable. But, I mean, it is it's it is what it is. 153 out of 370 points for Charles. Okay. Number eight for me is going to be Brendan, uh, former guest of this show. When I went up and down his rankings, I mean, there's he got, he got a lot of nice value selecting uh, Javante Williams. Um, in the fourth round, Jalen Waddle in the sixth round. I mean, those guys go a little bit earlier. And then obviously with this first pick, Derrick Henry, he decided to go him over Cooper Cup, which I disagree with a little bit. But, you know, he had his plan and looks like he's stuck with it. But he got 222 points out of the 470. And just to break down position by position, I think he has the 10th best quarterback in Dak Prescott, I think he has the sixth best RB1 in DeAndre Swift, the worst RB2. Oh, wait, I read that wrong. It's am I looking at the wrong team? You are okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, the sixth best RB1 in Derrick Henry, the best RB2 in DeAndre Swift, the ninth best wide receiver one. In Michael Pittman, the seventh best wide receiver two in Jalen Waddle, the seventh best tight end one in Zach Ertz, the fourth best flex one in Javante Williams, the fourth best flex two in Michael Thomas, and then his three bench players, three top bench players, Jerry Judy, Alan Lazar, James Cook, ranked in at fifth, fourth, and sixth, respectively. Um, I think Brendan has a lot of nice players, a lot of good upside here. I think it was a pretty decent draft overall, but I think the parts where he kind of lost a, a decent amount of points were definitely a tight end, which is a ton of value. And then obviously RB1, not a huge fan of Derrick Henry. And that's pretty much who he has slotted in as his RB1 right now, his first round pick. That's kind of what separated Brendan from being an eighth place team and maybe a top five team. 
I'm I'm super excited for Brennan to hear this because he was talking trash about how my rankings would be terrible. And then he said he's looking forward to your rankings. <laughs> you have it eight, so I'm excited for that. My number eight team is none other than my father, Carl. <laughs> I'm going to call you dad on the show. I don't know if that's, you know, I'm calling you dad. Dad, a lot of questions. I didn't have the heart to tell you during draft night. Sitting right next to each other on our laptops. A lot of questions with this team, my friend. Saquon Barkley, I'm not I'm not very high on. I think he is right now at his highest value. He will be all season. Playing against the second best run defense in the Tennessee Titans, and he's already projected 18 points. That I don't see whatsoever. Uh, but to get him in the second round, late second round, I think it's good value. So I'm not gonna attack him very, very much. But I am going to give you the sixth best quarterback in Joe Burrow. I'm going to give you the eighth best running back room with Saquon Barkley, Travis Etienne, and Chase Edmonds. I would like to bump it up quite a bit, but Etienne is not someone I'm super high on. And Saquon Barkley, I think, is, is clinically washed. Chase Edmonds, I think, is going to be your highest scoring running back of the season. And, and, and I know that's probably a scorching hot take, but I truly believe that. Wide receiving room, you ranked out very well. Third place with Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, Gabe Davis, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, Julio as well. Ton of ton of upside with all those receivers. Tight end, I'm gonna slot you in at ninth with who did you grab? Da yeah, Dawson Knox, ninth best tight end in the league. The worst kicker in the league on a team that's not gonna score a ton of points. Yes, he's a a consistent guy, but he's not He's not going to – this team isn't going to score enough, and I'm just looking at it right now. Graham Gano is rostered in 2% of leagues right now in fantasy football, yet in a 10-man league, you got him rostered beyond me. And then in bench, I have you at 7th out of 10. I like a lot of these guys. Michael Carter, you know, he is what he is. Mark Ingram, same thing, not a big fan. Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, Julio, and Fryermuth, however – I think Fryermuth is going to have a real good year. Julio, Sky Moore, and Kadarius Tony, they are huge boomer bust picks. If one of those three guys pans out, then all of a sudden your team gets quite a bit better than, than it is right now because then you're able to maybe take ETN out of this running back two spot because I don't think he's going to perform super well. Um, and then throw in either Tony, Sky Moore, and Julio in there, and maybe they're scoring 12 plus points every single week and your team gets better. But for right now, you are a four more points than Charles with 157 out of 370. Okay. Number seven for me is going to be Sean. And I, I've never met him. I'm sure he's a great guy, but he does. <laughs> Personally, when I, when I look at this team, um, I think it's a bottom two team in this league, but I think what's kind of saving him in these rankings are some of his early picks and Stefan Diggs, Kyle Pitts, and Josh Allen being they are wide receiver one, tight end one, QB one, respectively. In my algorithm, obviously those those players are are weighted yeah, pretty Kyle heavily. Pitts is the one. No, like just tight end one in general. Like I have oh, Kyle, Kyle Pitts is the third okay. third tight end. Okay. So I mean that that got him right there, sixty four points, and with him having the third best tight end to kind of put him up against some right. of the other lackluster teams in Brendan and Charles and uh, Papa Carl. But, uh, 
Yeah, Sean comes in at 232. I think he made a lot of risky, risky picks, a lot of picks I wouldn't make, a lot of interesting selections at interesting spots. Buccaneers defense in round seven. Um, (laughs) Evan McPherson in round 10. Josh Jacobs, DK Metcalf in rounds five and six. Very risky picks. I mean, those are guys that I was just totally avoiding this year. And then obviously Josh Allen, he's a great quarterback. Great pick in round four, but I just would never pick your quarterback that early with some of the other options available at that point. Uh, positional breakdown for me, I think he has the best quarterback still. I mean, it, it's it's Josh Allen, um, the eighth best water, the eighth best running back one in Joe Mixon, the ninth best RB two in Josh Jacobs, the fifth best wide receiver one in Stefan Diggs, the ninth best wide receiver two in DK Metcalf, the third best tight end in Kyle Pitts, the ninth best flex one in Antonio Gibson, um, the sixth best flex two in Adam Thielen, and his bench got ninth ranked um, Tyler Lockett, a sixth ranked Darrell Henderson, and a fifth ranked... um, Chase Claypool. So not all like this this team got a lot of eights and nines as far as ranks, as far as like you know, stacked up against the other teams. So I think what's putting him up is Kyle Pitts, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. If not, he's probably below Papa Carroll. Uh yeah, I will say he's not he's not my number seven, but I will say something in his defense. I'm about 90% certain that he did this draft while on a boat. Uh, in in about the middle of the ocean. So I'm sure alcohol was involved. Yes, he's of legal age. But, you know, it, Sean, I think you did good with what you're handed. I'm going to give you a round of applause before I get to you later on. My number seven team is Michael Scally, the infamous Big Sexy. And, and I say infamous because, you know, he kind of tuned away from the episodes as soon as summer rolled around. But it's all good. He forgot how, how good of a show this was. No worries. Big Sexy, you are ranking extremely high on a few positions and extremely low on others. There's not a whole lot of middle ground for you. Quarterback at five, you're the fifth best quarterback in the league with Kyler Murray. You have the ninth best running back room in the league with Dalvin Cook, J.K. Dobbins, and then your running back three is either Naeem Hines or Miles Sanders. If Damian Pierce pans out, that shoots you up a ton. Um, wide receiving room, you have the fifth best wide receiving room with Devontae, Deontay, Devontae again, and Brandon Cooks. I would like to move it up higher. I just I'm not I'm not super trusting of Brandon Cooks in his offense. I'm not super trusting of Deontay in his offense this year and Devontae Adams to spend a first round pick on him. Just, I mean, when he's changing quarterbacks, schemes, changing systems as a whole, it's it's tough to do. I wouldn't have taken him first round this year. You can call it second round, but it was still the turn. So that is what it is. I gave you the fourth best tight end in the league with George Kittle. I gave you the third best kicker in the league with Tyler Bass. I think that's a phenomenal pick. And I gave you the fifth best bench in the league. Naeem Hines, Miles Sanders, Damian Pierce, Isaiah Pacheco, Tyler Boyd, Christian Kirk, and Titans defense. I like this bench a lot outside of Titans defense um, and Miles Sanders, really. But 
All in all, I gave you 181 out of 370 points, four points behind my sixth place team. Okay. So for me, at number – so, by the way, I have uh, Scally a little bit higher um, than you. I think maybe you're disrespecting just a little bit. But number six for me is a team you already talked about. I have Jared with a score of 237 out of 470 points. Um, I mean, he was drafting right behind me, and, and you know, him being at that sixth spot, he ended up taking, like Tommy mentioned, Najee Harris, which nothing wrong with that kind of pick there. Um, I think where he kind of misses the mark for me and I'll just, you know, do a positional breakdown. I, I do think he did well, obviously, with quarterback. Can't go wrong with Justin Herbert. Second best quarterback in this league. Fifth best RB1, in my opinion, in, in Najee Harris. Fourth best RB2 in James Conner. The sixth best wide receiver one in Mike Evans. The fifth best wide receiver two in Keenan Allen. The eighth best tight end. Uh, yeah, the eighth best tight end one in TJ Hawkinson. The eighth best. Flex one in Elijah Mitchell, the eighth best flex two in Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and then the top three in his bench, DeAndre Hopkins, James Robinson, Jamal Williams, seven, eight, and nine, respectively. I mean, there's a lot of good players here. I think Tommy alluded to it as far as the wide receiver depth, really none to speak of. I think, you know, that having that stack with Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, I think is a nice thing to have. And I think it should be to his benefit for a good portion of the season. But when I'm looking at his bench, I mean, he has two defenses. He has two tight ends. He has two quarterbacks. What's going to happen is say, if James Conner gets hurt or if Elijah Mitchell gets hurt, I mean, these are guys that have had injury concerns in the past and, in his bench, as far as running back goes, he has James Robinson, who's coming off of an Achilles injury, and he has Jamal Williams, who needs a DeAndre Swift injury to be somewhat relevant. So, I mean, this team is fine as it is, but I think there's a lot of concerns if something were to happen. And honestly, you could probably slot you know him a little bit lower if we weren't using my patented pending JDR metric. Yeah, I'm going to say that I think Jared was the biggest disappointment of the draft. This is my second league with him. Last year, he came away with a really nice team from the get-go on draft day, um, and he ended up, I'm pretty sure, winning that league, didn't he? Or was he? I think so. I think, I think so. he won that league. So, yeah. I mean, maybe we're doubting him, and he knows something we don't. You know, kind of something like a similar podcast does around here. But, uh, yeah, Jared, I think uh, I'm going to chalk it up. You got fucked. I mean, you auto-picked rounds one and two. I mean, you made us all wait, so I don't feel that bad for you. But... Coming in at six is Brendan Lynch, and and that's his last name. That's nothing to do with anything else, guys. Um, I gave Brendan the worst quarterback in the league as well. Dak Prescott is not going to get it done this year. The running upside's not there. Um, I think best case scenario for Dak as far as running goes, he doesn't run at all because if he does, you know, he may see like a, an ankle injury or something of that nature. Tony Romo may think he's seeing cramps and flashbacks of some sort. But, uh, yeah, Dak Prescott is the worst quarterback in this league. I gave Brendan the third best running back room in the league with Derrick Henry, DeAndre Swift, and Javante Williams. Looking back, I think it may have very easily been a couple slots, uh, one or two slots higher even. I'm just not super high on Henry this year, and I'm not super high on Javante this year. But even then, he still has 
Tyler Algier, James Cook, who are both two super big candidates to break out this season. Algier, I think, should have that backfield by week six. I'm a little bit more confident in Singletary than I am in Cordero Patterson. But James Cook, if given the opportunity, I think is a really good running back and a really solid option to run behind that Buffalo offensive line. After that, his wide receivers ranked out at sixth. His wide receiver room was sixth with Michael Pittman, Jalen Waddell, Jerry Judy, um, Lazard, Jahan Dotson, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas. The thing I didn't like about this team was two of his three starting receivers are the second option on his team or on their respective teams. So, like, Waddle's behind Tyreek, Judy's behind Sutton. Um, the other thing I didn't like was that Javante Williams is also in a split backfield. This team, this team has a lot of potential. I just don't think come into week one, going into week one, I can rank this team any higher than it is. Brian Robinson obviously got shot in the leg. Uh, and interestingly enough, you made a bunch of notes for each of your players. For Dak Prescott, you put injury-prone ass and can't win. I don't know what that means. Uh, for Brian Robinson, you just put the note shot. So I don't know if that means he's bad or he. you're literally talking about the action of him getting shot. But uh, tight end, I put you in eighth with who do you have. Zach Ertz, kicker, I put you in sixth with McManus. Bench, I put you in fourth because I think this bench, like I talked about earlier, has a ton of upside. I gave you 185 out of 370 points, nine points behind the fifth place team. Yeah, so number five for me, and there's there's a pretty big difference between my number five and number six team as far as points go. is about a 50-point difference. And coming in number five for me is Michael Scally, big sexy himself, with a score of 287 out of 470. And just kind of similar to what Sean, as far as what's, you know, boosting Scally up the rankings, is his RB1 in Dalvin Cook, which ranked as the fourth best RB1. Kyler Murray coming in as the sixth best quarterback one. Devontae Adams coming in as the fourth best wide receiver one. And George Kittle coming in as the fourth best tight end one. So, I mean, that right there, I mean, that's a great foundation. Um, I think, you know, far as, as far as some of the other picks, J.K. Dobbins, obviously a major risk coming back from that ACL injury. I put him as the seventh best RB2 if he's not fully healthy. Um, you're going to have to resort to a rookie in Damian Pierce or a guy in Miles Sanders who um, you know, not a lot of people trust, and, and rightfully so. But as far as then go down to wide receiver two and Deontay Johnson, Tommy alluded to it, a lot of question marks. I mean, George Pickens, if he emerges, will take away stuff from Deontay Johnson and bring in a new quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. So therefore, I put Deontay Johnson as the eighth best wide receiver two in this league. I like Brandon Cooks a lot. Um I think he's going to still get a ton of receptions. I think he's going to be – he's on a team that's going to be trailing. And I think him, Nico Collins, and then who really else as far as to throw the ball to. Um, so I put Brandon Cooks as the fifth best flex one. Right now, um, you know, I, I'm a big Damian Pierce fan, and I have him slotted in as the flex two. And that's that's the ninth best flex, just because when you look at, you know, all the other options at flex two, obviously Damian Pierce isn't proven yet. And if he's not what we all think he's going to be, uh, that's a major problem there. And then the first three guys on his bench, Miles Sanders, Devontae Smith, Christian Kirk, I think that's – I mean, if you have Miles Sanders, Sanders on your bench – even if he decides to start him, I don't think it's too much of an issue. That's why I have Miles Sanders as the fourth best bench player one. Devontae Smith as the second best bench player two. 
And Christian Kirk as the fourth bench player three, I think his bench is very strong. I think he did a good job there. We'll see who he – I think he picked up the tight ends, right, as, as his defense because I'm basing this off of uh, drafted uh, teams. But, yeah, Scala did a good job, and he comes in at number five for me. He also got Miles Sanders at an extreme value as well. Yes. He, he fell to them in, like, almost the eighth round, I want to say. Yeah. Which is extremely late. A lot of guys have him as, unfortunately, there are B2 or 3, and, mm-hmm. and he, he did a good job stashing him away. Late, if he would have felt to me at that point in the draft, I was actually going to take him, even though he was one of my sworn off my draft boards players. But uh, fifth place for me, and this is the last team before the top four. I think the top four are clear cut and away uh, from the rest of the league. I think the top four I'm going to mark as my championship possible teams just going into week one. But fifth place for me is Sean. And like I said, ranking kickers, tight ends, and quarterbacks as highly as I am, this is why he is he's, – he's as high as he is. The rest of his team is atrocious, but I'll get into it. Um, Sean basically filled out his whole starting lineup, minus flexes. He got his two receivers, two running backs, his quarterback, kicker, defense, and tight end, all within that many rounds. So there was no bench, there was no flex until he had all of his other starting players. And that's why he's ranking out so high in some of these, like, quarterback, tight end, and kicker. Um, he took the first quarterback off the board in Josh Allen, so I gave him the best one there. I gave him the sixth best running back room with Mixon, Jacobs, uh, Antonio Gibson, Daryl Henderson. I think just Mixon is really, is really carrying this. Uh, Joe Mixon is a player I'm very high on, a high-scoring offense, ton of punch-in opportunities. And I think after some Ajay Peter Ryan's antics, in the Super Bowl last season, we may see Mixon a little bit more on passing downs as well. Um, after that, I have him with the second worst wide receiver core, Stephon Diggs. Great pick to pair up with Josh Allen. But then you get it to DK Metcalf, who I don't expect to be good at all because of his quarterback. Adam Thielen, who's creeping up on 31 years old. Um, and then Jarvis Landry. Tyler Lockett, who is the same issue with DK Metcalf, but he's not—he's not even the one now. And then Chase Claypool, who could have a really good year, actually. I think uh, tight end. I gave him the third best tight end. I gave him the second best kicker um, with Kyle Pitts and Evan McPherson, respectively. And I gave him the second worst bench. You know, you got an extra quarterback in Stafford, an extra tight end in Njoku, and then you go Claypool, Lockett, Landry, and then running back so not not a ton of really potential on this bench other than if cam Akers comes down with an injury or if sean mcveigh spartans up and realizes well daryl henderson's better than cam Akers anyways uh but yeah this team ranked fifth like i said it's because he ranked third in tight end second in kicker and first in quarterback that gave him a ton of points right there uh, but overall this team i don't think has much of a chance to win a championship but Nonetheless, I have him at 194 out of 370. And number four for me is Patrick Fink, 287 out of 470. And when I look at when I look at his first six rounds, I think each, each one of those picks don't disagree with. I think all of those picks were solid picks, especially stacking Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson. Um, that was a great job there. But then round seven on kind of lost me. 
Um, that's kind of where it went downhill. And I think <laughs> if if round seven through round 16 were a little bit stronger, I think he's easily a top two team. But round seven started with the Buffalo Bills defense. Then you go to round 10, backing up Mark Andrews for some odd reason and Dallas Goddard. Then you go to round 11, Justin Tucker. I get it. Kickers are a little bit more valuable in this league, but still. And then you back up Lamar Jackson. Maybe he knows something about the contract. That we don't uh, taking Aaron Rodgers in the thirteenth round, and then um, a third tight end actually, and Hunter Henry at the end of the draft to back up Dallas Goddard in case <laughs> Mark Andrews doesn't work out and Dallas Goddard. So, like I said, the first six picks um, absolutely can't go wrong with. And based off of my metric, I mean, he ranked extremely high. And how could you not? But Jonathan Taylor's is RB one, best RB one in the league, second best tight end one in the league, and Mark Andrews. And the uh, fourth best QB one in Lamar Jackson, and then like I said, where he where he places last in the league is at wide receiver two with uh, Allen Ro- Allen Robinson. I love Allen Robinson, but looking at the rest of the wide really? receiver two, yeah, looking at the rest of the wide receiver twos in this league, um, just a little bit higher on, um, and then flex two. <laughs> right now, the way the way that I'm looking, I don't think he's gonna do this, but. Based off of what I'm looking at, it would be Dallas Goddard as far as like <laughs> the, the next highest ranked player. He could put on a Renfro in there or Traylon Burks. Um, that was a low rank. And then his his second and third options off the bench, Traylon Burks and Marquez Valdez Scandling. I mean, the current not really much said there. Just not strong options coming off the bench. If this team suffers an, in, an injury, absolutely screwed. I think that's what it comes down to. Not a lot of depth. And considering you have Cam Akers, who is a question mark as far as health goes, um, that, that's a major concern. But there's some there's some really good picks here, and there's some really bad picks. And I think this is a playoff team, but I think the ceiling on this team is capped. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get to him in a little bit, but I have another piece of little defense for him as well, like I did for Sean. I did get word that he was playing GTA throughout the whole draft with some of his buddies. So, you know, he I was told that after <laughs> after he took his quarterback, it then went to he looked at what position he needed because he was at the first overall, so he had to wait so long between picks. He just looked for positions and cue the top five players in the position that he wanted as his next pick. So, you know, that could have came into, you know, the three tight end thing, but I'll get to him in a little bit. My fourth best team on this league is Matt. Matt Mawad, you could argue it's a little bit low, but it could have ranked a hell of a lot lower before me and him completed a trade uh, about three hours after the draft completed. I sent over David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, for Rashad Penny and Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he had a ton of wide receiver depth and not a whole lot of running back depth. So this was a beneficial trade for both sides um, because in in Montgomery and Herbert, he basically got a 12-point floor week in and week out regardless of Montgomery's status. Um, But let me read you off where I have him placing. So I have – I gave Matt the ninth-best quarterback in the league with Tom Brady – I gave him the seventh best running back room in the league with McCaffrey, Montgomery, Damian Harris, Tony Pollard, Khalil Herbert. I don't think Damian Harris is someone we can rely on this year in fantasy. Tony Pollard, you know, he is someone that I was looking to grab. But nonetheless, I don't think him as your RB3 is is super great. 
Um, so that's what played into him being solo at running backs. I gave him the fourth best wide receiving room with Tyreek Hill, T. Higgins, DJ Moore, Hollywood Brown. The list goes on and on. Robert Woods, Amari Cooper, and he had Juju Smith-Schuster uh, before we completed that trade. So he just kind of went with, I guess, best value with every pick he could. Um, after that, I gave him the second best tight end one in Travis Kelsey. You know I'm higher on Andrews this year. Uh, so Travis Kelsey with the second best tight end. I gave him the fifth best kicker in the league in Matt Gay, Matt Homosexual. And I gave him the third best bench in the league overall. Um, Damian Harris, Tony Pollard, who I just talked about. Khalil Herbert, who is a as about as solid of a handcuff as they come for David Montgomery. And then you get the Titans wide receiver one in Robert Woods, who A.J. Brown was phenomenal when healthy in that role last year. And then Jamison Williams on his IR. And Amari Cooper, who, you know, Jacoby Reset can get him the ball at all. Amari Cooper obviously is a great player. Uh, but Matt came out with 210 out of 370 points. And like I said, the first of what I think are four real contenders in this league this year. Yeah, number three for me is going to be Matt. And I think Matt, my, my ranking is purely based off the draft. And I think he had an outstanding draft. And looking at the trade he made, um, if I redid these numbers, I think he honestly could be higher. But uh, great draft. And I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with the great depth he built. And obviously he was able to use that depth to acquire a need at the RB2 spot. Um, obviously love the, love the pick, the first pick. Taking Christian McCaffrey um, at three, I think, obviously, it's a huge risk. But the reward, if he stays healthy, is absolutely massive. So, hence, I think Christian McCaffrey is the second-best RB1 as it currently stands. And then Tom Brady, uh, ninth-best uh, ninth quarterback one. I'm pretty sure he got sniped a bunch of times, but I think he'll be fine with Tom Brady as his quarterback. And then... Originally, it was going to be Tony Pollard as his RB2, so that would have been the 10th best RB2. Obviously, that, that's risen with uh, the addition of David Montgomery. Also, the 10th best wide receiver won in Tyreek Hill, but I don't really think that means much. I think Tyreek Hill is going to be fine, and him being the worst wide receiver one, I don't think it's going to affect him that much. And then here's where it just absolutely gets insane. Fourth best wide receiver two, in my opinion, in T. Higgins, the best tight end one, in Travis Kelsey, the second best flex one in DJ Moore, the second best flex two in Marquise Brown. I think he clearly has the best set of flexes in this league. And I know obviously the trade kind of impacts him a little bit with, I know we sent out Juju, I believe as a part of that deal, but like that was just a bench piece as is. Um, but Juju originally was ranked as the third best bench play top bench player. And then, um, the second bench player being Amari Cooper, a little bit lower. Fifth, I think having him on your bench, I mean, you can't really argue with that considering what he's capable of doing. And then Damian Harris as the third, like having Damian Harris as the third player off a bench, I mean, I, I don't really think you can argue with that. That's why he got the third best bench three player, shaping out to be 297 out of 420. Matt did a great job in this draft. And even with this trade, I think he is a contender to start the year. Will that, will that remain, though? That's the question. Yeah, I mean, he, you know he's susceptible to trading some of his best pieces away for dirt cheap, so that's to be determined. My number three team in this league is none other than our lovely co-host, 
Jet Rosenstein. It is so hard to have him at three because this team is incredible. And I think you'll understand why my number two yeah. team ranked higher just because of yeah. some of my positional values. But I gave Jet the third best quarterback in the league in Jalen Hurts. I gave him the best running back room in the league, hands down. Austin Eckler was a phenomenal pick. Alvin Kamara to get him all the way down uh, at the late second round is un- it- it- unfathomable to me. AJ, uh, who else? Ezekiel Elliott is his flex. Um, after that, Alexander Madison, AJ Dillon, Ramondre Stevenson. Two of those are great handcuffs. And Dillon, you could argue, is probably going to start quite a few games this year. Ramondre Stevenson, I think, is better than Damian Harris, um, both in the pass catching downs. And I think he's a better pure runner. Uh, so, so running back room is not the issue here. I did have his wide receiver room ranking out quite a bit lower than some of the others in the league. I have him at seven. Uh, A.J. Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, two really good receivers. I think both have a potential to play really well this year. The thing about A.J. Brown is I did take injury proneness into account with this ranking. And if he's able to stay healthy, I mean, when he's on the field, he's almost an automatic 18 points plus. Uh, But the issue is in just three short years, he's already missed a handful of games. And and last year, obviously, the most of those games was last year. Uh, After that, you have Mike Williams as the second flex, who's a great second flex in this league. Brandon Ayuk, Drake London, George Pickens. All three I'm going to consider breakout candidates. Two of them are rookies. But Ayuk I would consider a breakout candidate as well just because of how much he disappointed last season. Fell down the draft board a ton from last year to this one, uh, and I think he's going to perform. I think he's going to perform a lot better this year than he did last year. I gave him the worst tight end in the league, which hurt his rankings a ton, uh, because we all know, like I mentioned, Jet waits around. He couldn't even. He waited around so long he couldn't even snag Cole Komet in this league. He had to settle for Irv Smith Jr., who I'm high on anyway. But I really can't put him above anybody else just because of considering how many rounds he waited between his tight end one um, and the ninth best tight end one who went in round six and Dawson Knox. So uh, I gave him the third worst kicker in Rodrigo Blankenship. This offense is going to score quite a bit, but Rodrigo is, is missed short on like 45-yard field goals in his career. And with the kicker scoring – in this league going as if you hit a 55-yard field goal, you get one for the make, and then 5.5.1 point per every yard. That's a a six-and-a-half-point field goal, uh, and missing it would be minus one. So that's a a seven-and-a-half-point swing uh, just because he doesn't quite have the leg as as other kickers in the league do. So that hurts him quite a bit. And I gave him the second-best bench overall in this league. Alexander Madison, A.J. Dillon, Ramondre Stevenson, already talked about them. Ayuk, London, and Pick. I mean, all six of these players uh, outside of Madison, I think, are startable on a couple of other teams in this league. I think he did a phenomenal job with the draft, snagging the Colts' defense uh, right before I could, like a little pussy. So <laughs> good job, Jet. You did. You had a really good draft. Um, I think the difference between you and the second-place team is that the difference in points handed out for tight ends was a 63-point difference. Uh, you got you got seven points, and he got 70. So you're in third place for me right now. Yeah, and this is where it gets interesting. My top two teams, obviously, I only have two people left, and it's myself and Tommy. Um, I'm on the edge of my seat, really. Yeah. Uh, 
Number two for me is going to be myself. And the reason is it is because of the tight end situation. It, it crushes my ranking and I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, for me and all of my drafts, what I've been doing is I've gotten Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts or Cole Komet or Irv Smith or Alberto. That's just what I've been doing. Nothing Which in the middle. Which is surprising because we both talked about Dalton Schultz this year. I know. It, we it, both it, talked it, about it, it. It pains me so much. I just, because what happened is if I took Kyle Pitts, Travis Kelsey early, obviously there's no need to, you know, double up with tight ends and get that flex with that tight end. And well, like if you go Mark Andrews, Dalton Schultz, I don't really know if that's a bad uh, move. But. I don't know. But then, <laughs> and then when I got, when I got to the point where I wanted Dalton Schultz in like the sixth, seventh, eighth round, there were too many other players that I liked and I just decided to pass on him and it hurts me. I have one more draft left. Hopefully maybe I'll get him in that. But yeah. nevertheless, the tight end position absolutely crushes me, being the tenth, uh, the tenth best in this league. The Latin last, I'm not, I'm not extremely worried because there's, there's some names that I feel like you know I could potentially trade for or add on waivers if Irv Smith doesn't work out. But I think with the rest of my team, I think it'll easily make up for it, and and that's why I'm excited. Uh, for me. I'm I'm high on Jalen Hurts. Tom is obviously a little bit more higher. I think Jalen Hurts, as of now, is the fifth best quarterback one. Um, uh, Alvin Kamara. I can't. I don't know what I was saying. I was trying to combine the third names. The third best. Um, Austin Eckler, the third best RB one. Alvin Kamara, the second best RB two. I'm absolutely ecstatic that I was able to come away with those two running backs. And then my wide receivers, AJ Brown. For me, he's the eighth best wide receiver one, but. I did it purely with the Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown. I just wanted that stack, and I'm happy I was able to complete. I think they're both bound for um, tremendous seasons, and I'm fine with A.J. Brown. He's not on the level, obviously, with Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson or Cooper Cup, but I think he'll be fine as far as production. And then Mike Williams is my wide receiver, too. I think if I look at any of the picks in my draft, I think that that might be the pick that, Probably my most risky pick as far as early round picks and could be the pick I regret. I was thinking of um, some other names like I considered Jalen Waddell. I considered Brandon Cooks. I even considered taking Justin Herbert right before, um, well, actually right after um, Jared ended up taking right after me. But I think Mike Williams is going to have a great year. I think he's going to finish with more points than Keenan Allen. It just has to stay healthy. That's the key. And I have, I have two Chargers players, but I'm not too worried about it considering they're on such a good offense. And then um, this is – I'm not going to, you know, toot my own horn here, but I feel like my bread and butter in <laughs> drafting is is bench. And, I mean, I love my bench. I Like Tommy said, you can argue you can start any of these guys. And even if, if Dalvin Cook gets hurt, which he gets, gets hurt every year, just slot Alexander Madison into a flex or a running back spot if someone's on by and let, let the rest work, work itself out. Um, I mean, I drafted – originally, Amon Ross St. Brown was drafted as a bench player. Now I'm probably going to end up starting him over A.J. Dillon this week, first week, just because um, I think that's a a decent matchup for Amon Ross St. Brown. So love love my team. Obviously, if, if I had a decent tight end, I think I would be the number one team. Yeah, it's close. My number two team, though, is Patrick Fink. And honestly, when I was lo looking at his draft picks during the draft, I was kind of like, what the fuck is this kid doing? And then I, I look back at it, I do all the metrics, and he turns out to have a really good team. Obviously pairing what I believe will be the second highest scoring quarterback with what I believe the 
first highest scoring tight end in the league on the same team with Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. Any touchdown between these two, that's an instant 10 plus points, which no, really 11.25 points. So, so, I mean, no, you can't forget that'd be 11.35 because of the completion as well. So a ton of points just from a, a zero yard touchdown from Lamar to Mark Andrews. And I believe we're going to see upwards of 10 of those this year. And that may be a bold prediction. And I, but I really do believe Mark Andrews finds the end zone at least 10 times this season. We saw multiple games where he saw it two or three times. Um, so that those help his rankings a ton. So second in quarterback, first in tight end. I gave him fourth in running back, and I think he easily had the potential to be number one in running back had he taken Leonard Fournette in the third instead of Cam Akers. Instead, yeah. he went – if he had Jonathan Taylor, Leonard Fournette, and Kareem Hunt, hands down this is the best team in the league. Because then I would have had to settle for Cam Akers. He would have had Fournette. But instead, now he has Taylor, Akers, and Hunt. That's still good enough for the fourth-best running back room in the league, in my opinion. I gave him – he got he had a he had a little bit worse of a wide receiver room. Eighth-best, C.D. Lamb, uh, Allen Robinson. And then after that, you got to scroll all the way down to the bench to find his three. And Renfro, MVS, who MVS, I think, is going to have a monster year, actually but I can't preseason rank that as such. Um, Hunter Renfro, who I like, Traylon Burks, he could have a big year as well. But there's no doubting his wide receiver room is lower. Another perk of taking kickers in, you know, the top 10 rounds is you get Justin Tucker, who in a league like this has projected 12 points week one. Um, and I think this is, I think they're, I think this is probably going to hit something like that. If he gets another 66 yard field goal or whatever it was, Bang, there's 7.6 points added to your squad immediately. Uh, and I gave him the sixth best bench. Having, you know, having a tight end, a quarterback, Isaiah Spiller in a rookie handcuff, MVS, Renfro, and Burks. I don't love the bench. It's definitely not the worst in the league um, because it's not like he got a, a scrub quarterback on his bench. Aaron Rodgers is going to put up plenty of points this season. Um but like I said, the reason that this bench ranks lower uh, than, say, yours is just because I don't see any of these players being startable week one. Fair enough. Um, so obviously that brings us to the number one team, and that is you, Tommy. Obviously an outstanding draft for you. Um, not a lot I you know disagree with as far as your, your picks in this draft, I think. Each and every one of your picks is a guy that obviously I would have loved to have on my team, probably except – um, if if I'm really nitpicking here, um, everyone except David Montgomery. Yeah, well, now you don't even have David <laughs> Montgomery, but yeah, nevertheless, um, uh, an unbelievable team you put together here, and obviously start at the top with Justin Jefferson. Obviously, I know you're not a huge Christian McCaffrey fan, but Justin Jefferson is is probably is the safer pick, and you know you get, you know what you're getting out of him, and you know he'll be available. Um, obviously, Aaron Jones and and Leonard Fournette after that. Can't go wrong there. And then getting, I think, a what's going to end up being a steal getting Corlin Sutton in the fifth round. Um, Obviously has wide receiver one potential. Same thing with Chris, with Chris Godwin, who you got in the round seven, who looks like he's healthy and, you know, may may start off the year slow, but is bound to, you know, have a, a Chris Godwin typical year. As far as um where I have each of your positions ranked, I don't have any of your players ranked below uh, number eight, uh, number eight 
best quarterback is, in my opinion, Rus- um, Russell Wilson. I love the stack, though, with Cortland Sutton. Uh, seventh best running back one in Aaron Jones. Eighth best running back two in Leonard Fournette. And then just going down the rest of the list, best wide receiver one in Justin Jefferson. Second best wide receiver two in Cortland Sutton. Um, fifth best tight end one in Dalton Schultz. Third best flex one uh, which would have been David Montgomery, third best flex two in Darnell Mooney, second best uh, bench one spot having Chris Godwin, and then sec- uh, first um, best bench two spot in Devin Singletary, and then second best best bench three spot in Melvin Gordon, another team that has an out- outstanding bench. I mean, you could look at those guys too, all those guys. Obviously, there's a lot of upside mix, but a lot of these guys are startable players, especially Devin Singletary, Chris Godwin. Melvin Gordon. I love the uh, Jamison Williams pick at the end. I was who I was actually looking at as well. I wanted to put him on my IR and just, you know, be able to pick someone else up and, you know, have him stashed for when he's ready to play. So I obviously love that too. And then obviously, you know, the big hole is is defense right now. Um, That's kind (laughs) of what's separating you from 320 plus points and, you know, 470. So... All right. Yeah, I mean, I probably should pick one up here in the coming days. Uh, it's getting down to the nitty gritty. This, the season's going to start soon. I'm still without a defense. I just have been shafted along the waiver wire so far to this point. Uh, Titans got declined, and a, another defense, so I forget, got declined as well. Uh, yeah, obviously, by process of elimination, I have my team at one as well. I gave myself the seventh best quarterback in the league. Obviously, the difference between seven and eight isn't much. Uh, and Russell Wilson, I gave myself the second best running back room as a whole in the league between Jones, Fournette, uh, Rashad Penny now. And Rashad Penny's one of the best rookie handcuffs in the league in Kenneth Walker. Uh, Rashad White, who is Leonard Fournette's handcuff. So I think I have a solid running back depth as well with Melvin Gordon and Singletary. And then I get my receiver room. I gave myself the number one wide receiver room. Uh, Jefferson, Sutton, Juju, Chris Godwin, uh, Darnell Mooney is my wide receiver five right now, which I think is super incredibly deep. I also gave myself the tight end five and Dalton Schultz. I gave myself the fourth best kicker in Harrison Butker. And I gave myself the best bench in the league. Um, like you said earlier, Melvin Gordon, startable. Rashad Penny is startable. Devin Singletary is startable. Darnell Mooney is startable. And then after that, I just have uh, two of my own handcuffs and Robio Dubs, who I took a, a long ball on. Um, and if Aaron Rodgers is telling the truth that it's his favorite target, then all of a sudden uh, I have Aaron Rodgers' favorite target as well as my wide receiver six. So I think this team is, is the best in the league. I just think that the the only reason that this team could send me backwards is if Cortland Sutton is a shithead and he actually just isn't good. Um, and the hype has just been nothing for these past five years of his career. Uh, but after that, I think this team has a very high chance to, to win a lot of games this season with 288 points out of 370. Absolutely. Definitely a uh... – Hell of a team right there. Maybe maybe we're looking at a collision course towards the championship. Obviously, a long way well, to go. But. Well, we uh we play week one, so that's gonna be that's a fun right. Week. That's right. Yeah. It's gonna be a really. It's gonna be stupid. That was one of us with a <laughs> loss, but you know it is what it is. 
Yep. Yeah, it is what it is. I'm looking to trade for either a Bills or a Rams player as we speak, just so I can have someone to set the set the tone on Thursday night. But well, right now, <laughs> I have uh, I don't have anyone either. So maybe I'll just start Singletary. And right now, by the way, obviously Thomas without a defense, and I think with a defense, probably push him. Depending on who he picks up, could push him over the edge as far as projections go. But right now, without a defense, it's 153 to 143. In my favor, I'm assuming a, a defense would, if not tie that, maybe put you slightly under or slightly above. Can we stop with the, like, the just McCaffrey dick riding in projections, though? I don't think so, no. 23 projected? That's it's literally what he's going to get if he plays the we whole have, game. We have no idea if, da- if Baker is going to check the ball down like that, though. It doesn't matter, though, like. I'm predicting an injury week one, quarter oh. one. Raheem Mostert, Matt's running it back. With Raheem Mostert getting injured <laughs> with two minutes left in the first quarter. Uh, but, yeah, there you guys have it. I think this is going to be a fun league this year. Um, you know, if I mentioned your team towards the 8, 9, 10 range, Carl, <laughs> Carl, Charles, and Jared. Jared, like I said, I think your team is a little bit better. But it's trade time. You got to make a few trades. You got to right the wrongs of the draft. Um, Mike, I think. I think anyone from five, five, six, and seven had a solid enough draft to compete. Um, and then, obviously, I stated before, my top four are my championship contenders. For yeah, and, and for Brendan, your team sucks. Get it together, big guy. Get it together, big guy. Exactly right. Uh, yeah, that's 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 all she wrote. Ton of ton of work, long ass segment, but it was it's all worth it because uh, in the end, if our rankings prove to be slightly correct. Maybe we'll grow our platform and and people will start trusting our fantasy advice. I'm still tinkering the metric every day. Like, I I work after hours to make sure this is as fine-tuned as possible. And and I try. And I think it gets better each and every time it it gets put to use. Obviously, a little rusty since the last time we used it. But happy with the results. And uh, we'll see um, how it ends up. Let's quickly transition into our final revision for the MLB playoffs. And as this episode runs longer and longer, I honestly don't mind it because I listen to these episodes at work. Helps work go by quicker. But I know that's not everybody. So let's start it off in the National League. Now, for all three of these predictions, I did eight teams, um, the true eight contenders in the National League. And for now, my fourth one, the final one, it's knocked down to seven. The San Francisco Giants have officially been, in my book, eliminated from playoff contention. Jet and I both said in our preseason predictions, their last year, their run last year is magical. Ever since that smackdown by the Dodgers, they have not recovered um, completely, and, and I don't think that they will. I think this team is – its best days are behind them, for lack of better terms, but – my number seven team is the Milwaukee Brewers. Coming out of the Central, a lot of the teams in this National League wildcard are slumping right now beyond belief. I mean, Phillies, Padres, and Brewers, none of them have played well. And maybe if the Brewers had played decently over the past two weeks, they would have gained quite a bit of ground. But they've played just as shitty as the other two. So I'm going to keep the Brewers at seven. Um, I think they're in the weaker division in the weakest division in the NL and they're still not really able to get it done with a ton of games against the Pirates, Cubs, uh, and 
whoever the other shit has is in that. Who's the other one? Reds, Pirates, Brewers, and Reds, Brewers. and Reds. Yeah. So, seventy-one and sixty-four. Their record continues to inch closer and closer to the five hundred mark. Um, it's it's just it, it's I'm chalking it up as officially not their year. I don't think they're a playoff team. Um, yeah, Chris Yellow just hitting two fifty-nine, which is actually a pleasant surprise for him. He's having a bit of a better year. Same story though. Ton of homers for the team, but they just they aren't they're not capitalizing with men on base at all. So it's uh moral of the story for this team all year. Pitching's been all right. Uh Corbin Burns hasn't been as good as we had thought he would be with a 302 ERA. Eric Lauer with a 3-5. Woodruff has come back recently and he's doing better than he did last year, but uh I'm going to go seventh place for this Brewers team, you know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, number seven for me is the Milwaukee Brewers. I think when you look at the, you know, the the bottom of this wild card race, I mean, these both teams, like you mentioned, <clears throat> Padres, Brewers, kind of slumping. Um, even the Phillies before their win against the Marlins tonight were, weren't playing their best baseball. I mean, either. thanks to the free win to the MLB schedule. Yeah, members. absolutely. Um yeah, there's, there's really not much to say. The Brewers just – they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. I mean, they have not made any improvements on their offense to even trying to get someone that could just hit for average instead of either striking out or hitting a home run. Yes, they're only two and a half games back of the Padres with a month of baseball left to play, but I don't even think – I mean, I think the Padres have – too talented of a team to continue slumping. I don't I don't think their expectations are going to be met as far as after the deadline who are thinking World Series now. I think that, that that's out of the question, but I think the Brewers are going to miss out on the playoffs this year. Yeah, my sixth place team is going to be the San Diego Padres. Um, this team, despite a really big trade deadline, hasn't been able to do a whole lot with it. Um, this team is all the way down at 19 in team batting average. They're all the way down at 21 in team home runs. So it's clearly offense really isn't there. Uh, pitching, this team is 16th in team ERA. They are fifth in team strikeouts on the mound. So that's honestly their biggest redeeming quality. Juan Soto hasn't been great. He also got the injury bug a little bit. Josh Hader hasn't been great. Uh, but but I, I just I don't I don't see this Padres team falling below six. And I don't see them rising above six either. I just they they're in their acquisitions at the deadline haven't done anything for them. So so for that reason, I'm out. As Mark Cuban would say, I'm Shark Tank. <laughs> um, so for those reasons. <laughs> exactly. Um, number six for me is going to be the Philadelphia Phillies. And, yeah, they had their free win against the Marlins, but they're also four and six in the last ten. And I think the San Diego Padres are too talented to continue playing this poor baseball for this much longer. And they're only a half game behind the Philadelphia Phillies right now. And, yeah, I like to reference strength of schedule the rest of the way, but I'm not doing that anymore. It's kind of fucked me over over the past couple of weeks, the referencing to that, and I will not do so again. Uh, so this is, regardless of schedule, I'm just going off of talent. And like I said, Padres too talented. But as far as the Phillies go, obviously they just saw Nicholas Castellanos head to the aisle. Not like he was having the season that, you know, a lot of Philly fans and MLB fans expected him to have. But that is a, you know, a loss 
through their lineup, obviously, you know, Bryce Harper has been back and, you know, really picked up kind of where he left off. Obviously, <clears throat> it took a little bit of time, but the pitching, the pitching has been good. Obviously, with Zach Wheeler on IL, that, that, that's not great, but I think just going, going down the stretch here, I think the Padres get into a little bit of a group, not enough to make them, you know, worthy of being a contender, but I think enough to be able to send the Phillies to six. And I mean, that just spoils my number five team, which would be the Padres. <laughs> uh, yeah. My team is the Phillies, which, you know, I, I think those are the clear five, six and seven. Um, but yeah, this Phillies team is, has been a pleasant surprise for me on the mound this year. I was high on them, but I didn't think that they'd be quite as good as they have been. The bullpen's been good. We made a nice addition in David Robertson. Um, we knew Wheeler would be good. I knew Nola would be good. Nobody else believed me on that one. Ranger Suarez, I knew would pick it up. Uh, Gibson has fucked us hard. Zach Eflin, I mean, does that guy even play baseball anymore? And Noah Syndergaard has fucked us pretty hard as well in his short stint here with the Philadelphia Phillies. But nonetheless, we're 12th in team earned run average. We are fifth. The uh, No, hold on. We are sixth in team OPS, fifth in team home runs. Uh, so the team, the team really is firing on all cylinders. I would love to see Castellanos get going at some point. I don't understand why. Like, is it just a Philadelphia curse that he just comes over and sucks cock? Um, not that that's a bad thing. You know, we're not, you know, homophobes over here, just so everybody out there knows. Right. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's been sucking some balls uh, and I don't know why, but Phillies at five. Let's, let's not get deeper in a hole than we already are with what I'm saying. Right <laughs> Um. Yeah. No, Why are the five. Mets at four? Yeah. Obviously. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not even gonna talk. I already talked enough okay. about the Padres, but um, number four for me is going to be the Atlanta Braves. Oh my! You're still not. I don't. I'm not, not. I don't care. I don't care that the Mets are you know only half a game ahead of the Braves. This is still their division. I've been saying this since the quarterly predictions back when it was a quarter of the way through the season. Um. And I, I just think that the Mets, yeah, I know they, I know they've been dealing with injuries. Taewon Walker's struggled, and they can't beat the Pirates. They can't beat the Nationals. But I still think the Braves um, are going to slot in at the number four seed in the National League. Yeah, they're on a five-game winning streak, seven and three in their last ten. And I, I believe they are a more talented team than the Brave uh, Mets. But the Braves are just not going to be able to get to the top of the division. Um, this year and it, it's it's tough because they have so much talent up and down the lineup up and down the pitching rotation and i just think when it comes down it's obviously going to come down to the mets brave series i think it's uh last week in september or or one of, one of the last weekends or weeks of the season but when you look at the mets and braves this year the mets i'm not going to say they owned they have owned the braves but the mets have done pretty well against the braves all season and i think that's going to continue especially if they're able to get a degrom or scherzer start somewhere in that series i think that the braves will struggle against those two guys and that's when it comes down to mets top top tier pitching just a little bit better than the braves top tier pitching yeah i'm going to disagree you must not know a man with the last name strider who plays baseball but Mets at, four. Mets at four. Mets at four. My reverse psychology worked. 
obviously, I never believed the Mets would win the East, but reverse psychology had me say that they would, and it had everybody else believe I thought that. And now here come the Braves, just three innings away from closing out a win over the Oakland Athletics. Boom, first place team, Atlanta Braves. I'm excited to see it. I'm, as soon as it happens, I'm going to take 50,000 screenshots of my standings on the phone. And then, but here's, uh, whatever, here's, uh, this is the Mets part. Here's the, here's the Mets. The Mets are finally slumping at the plate. They haven't done so all year. Mark Canna's having the best year of his career. Francisco Lindor looks like he's a freaking Indian again, or, you know, guardian, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Pete Alonso, two for 25. Played like shit since the home run derby antics. I'm so happy to see that. He is, he is my least favorite player in the league after the way he acted at the home run derby. It was embarrassing for the sport. People watch that that don't care about baseball, and then they see this big fucking white fuck praying on some metal chair pre like pre home run derby round. Fuck off, buddy. You're not that like you're not you are not him. Okay. Mets at four, they're hitting slumping, finally. I've been waiting for it to happen, and it's happened. Um, They're a seventh-best team in earned run average. They are second-best team in team strikeouts. So they are what they're really good at is getting out of tight innings with strikeouts because so many times I'll check, and I'll be waiting for a team to score with runners in scoring position, no out against the Mets, and their pitching staff is able to get it done. Big credit to the relievers over there, obviously, Adovino. And, you know, he hasn't come in in, like, pressure situations other than the ninth, but Edwin Diaz has been great. Um, The Mets are a great team this year, but they are not going to win the National League East. Mets at four. (sighs) When are you going to learn? When are you going to learn? When are you? No, I mean, let's let's look at this, like, the Mets have a doubleheader against the Pirates tomorrow, and they should they should win both of those games. Obviously, losing to the Nationals, losing the series to the Nationals, and losing the first game of the series to the Pirates. Not what you want to see, but I hate to do it, but I am going to reference strength the schedule. The Mets still have the easiest schedule the rest of the way, and that still stands true. It's going to come down to that series against the Braves. Whoever wins that series will win the division. I do believe it's going to be the Mets. But nevertheless, um, my number three team in the National League is the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, obviously. Ellos aprendan. Okay. The St. Louis Cardinals, they're, what, they're five games behind the Nets right now. And, yeah, I think you can make a case that maybe they'll catch them, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, I think the Cardinals are a very talented team, especially in the second half of the year. Um, now they're getting Jack Flaherty back. Albert Pujols has kind of been, you know, the en- the energy of this whole team. And with that whole chase to 700, tying or passing Alex Rodriguez in, with, uh, in the home run count, um, this is this is like a Cinderella type story. I know it's not a Cinderella story since the Cardinals were expected to be good anyway, but the second half of the year turned it around. Um, honestly, I, I could see them if the Mets end up winning the division being the two seed, I could see the Cardinals easily knocking off the Mets in the playoffs. Yeah. The Cardinals are a great team this year. They're my three as well, because I did just get the, the beep in my beats 
that uh, I have 20 minutes left of, of battery. I'm going to quickly go through Dodgers, Braves, Cardinals. That's my one, two, three in the National League. Dodgers needs no explaining. They call up a pitcher. He's a great fucking pitcher. Um, doesn't matter. Whoever they're pitching, he's going to be a good pitcher. Uh, their hitting, obviously, is nothing shy of stellar. All-stars all around the field. Braves, I think that I think the Braves are a better team than the Cardinals. We both say they're a better team than the Mets. I think that their record will hold up over the Cardinals' will, over the Cardinals' record. Um, Spencer Strider has been phenomenal. Max Fried has been great. Um, Charlie Morton has picked up his season. Jake Odorizzi has actually been somewhat usable this year uh, as Jets lights flicker. Uh, you know, I'm going to probably have to make sure he gets to bed safely tonight. Um, yeah, Cardinals at three. Same thing. They're a great team. Miles Michaelis, Adam Wainwright, who just turned 58 years old this evening. Uh, great team all around. The whole National League is stacked. I could see anyone from one to six honestly making a World Series run. Obviously, the Dodgers are the best team, but the Dodgers are known to choke in the playoffs. And out of these other five teams, I don't think there's a clear best or a clear worst. Um, I'd say if I had to pick the Phillies are the worst team and the Braves are the best team, but it's not like it's uh, some massive difference between two and five. And like I said, the Dodgers choke in the playoffs. So there's my National League. Dodgers, Braves, Cardinals, Mets, Phillies, Padres, and the Brewers missing out probably by like two or three games. Yeah, I'll go quickly too. Um, Mets are two. They're the, they've been the second best team in the National League all year, and I think I, I think they end up uh, fin- finishing that way because they're just they're just too talented of a team. They're not going to be in this slump offensively for much longer, and the perfect time to get out of that slump is against some of the worst teams in the league, like the Pirates, like fortunately the Marlins, Nationals, all those great teams that they have to play the rest of the way. Number one, Dodgers. Dodgers. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's all you need. That's really it. American League, I now have three teams in the American League that are just missing out of the playoffs. Nine, the Twins. Eight, the Guardians. And seven, the Orioles. I would love to slot any one of these three teams into a playoff spot just because they're so fun and young and exciting and unexpectedly where they are, but I just can't do it. Um, So, Jet, who do you have just missing out? Well, the Guardians are winning the division right now. But I know, I know they are. So you, so you think they're going to miss the playoffs? I do. Interesting. I mean, it, they're, they're, they wouldn't have the playoff spot if they go to second in the division. No, no, I, I know that. Yeah. So, okay, they're so not you're making saying, a wild card. So you're saying they're not winning the division. That's fair. So for me, um, on, on the outside looking in for the American League, um, definitely the Orioles. I mean, it's been a historic run for them, but I think it's just the type of thing where they just don't have as much talent on this team as some of the other I just um, really hope they're good next year. I hope they yeah. have a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, that 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 would be that would be good. Uh, the White Sox have just screwed me all season long. I just don't see them. I, I they they go into a place where they win a couple of games in a row, and then they end up just falling back down to earth, and then losing a couple of games. I just don't see them falling out of it. Too many injuries. Their manager um, is having health concerns. <laughs> um, just. Everything's been pretty much going wrong all season long, and I don't really expect it to get better within the next month. It would have to be a quick turnaround. So with that being said, I just don't think they get it done they, so for me. They have not been the same team since Yerman Mercedes. <laughs> it's true. Broken, unwritten That's rule. true. That's true. And then 
The last team that I think is going to just miss out is going to be the Cleveland Guardians. There's another team that I just think has done too much at the deadline and done too much all the year just to throw this season away after, you know, leading the division for the whole season. My sixth seed is going to be the Seattle Mariners this year. They have been playing unbelievable baseball. And in my recent edition of my MLB power rankings, I'll just read it to you really quickly. Um, It's a weekly power ranking that I post on Twitter and TikTok. uh, But this is how I had it to this week. Um, Obviously takes the whole season into account as well. But this week is also heavily weighted into it. I went Dodgers, Astros, Braves. Mets, Cardinals, Mariners at six. Uh, Rays, Blue Jays, Yankees, Padres. So that was my that was my top ten. I have the Phillies at eleven. I accidentally forgot the Yankees, uh, so I, I had to revise it a little bit. But yeah, so Mariners six. I had the Blue Jays coming in at five, and shockingly, the New York Yankees are coming in at the four seed heading into the playoffs this season. Bunch wow. of good team, bunch of good teams on the list. Blue Jays were a lot of people's picks to win preseason. Yankees are a lot of people's picks. I'm talking about the whole American League. Yankees are a lot of people's picks to win throughout the whole season. And the Mariners were a team that everybody wrote off that had no chance of making the playoffs this year. So an interesting wild card, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think yeah, I think it ends up six. Um Six Mariners, five Blue Jays, four Tampa Bay Rays. I think, yeah, Yankees definitely need to be worried about, but I think it's too much to say that they're not going to hold on to the division. I know this, the lead has shrunk significantly, and I know the Rays, they've been playing great baseball, and they still continue to get it done, even without any notable names, and we continue to talk about that theme, but they just they just know what they're doing. And, and this has been without Shane McClanahan, there, you know, scion candidate who has been on the IL as of late. But like like we always say, they find people and they and they get the job done. Mariners and Blue Jays, both very sneaky teams that I think could really have a good shot at upsetting um one of the, the top division leaders, especially obviously the central division leader and, and obviously the Yankees as well. Um so yeah, so Mariners, Blue Jays, and then Rays for me. Yeah, I think the Yankees, if the only chance the Yankees have to win a series in the playoffs this season is the winner of the Central. Yeah. Other than that, I, I think that every other team outmatches them, uh, honestly, hand over foot. Um, but obviously, you can tell by my ranking so far, I have a pretty major shakeup happening in the American League standings in the next month. The White Sox are coming in third, winners of the Central. The Rays are coming in second, winners of the East who Jet notably had missing the playoffs about two months ago and winning the American League, I mean, like unbelievably easily is the Houston Astros. I would love to see an Astros-Rays rematch, but this time make it in the American League Championship Series. I think that would be an absolutely historic seven-game set. Um, but I'm not to get ahead of myself, I think – the third third place team, I think the White Sox would be the worst team in this whole playoffs. Um, but I do think that something's going to happen where they overcome the, the Guardians. I just, I, I, it's a, it's a gut feeling, so I'm running with it. Rays, Astros, both really good teams. The Rays are finally getting a little bit healthier. 
and they've been able to sustain a ton of injuries. They've won. They're continuing to win. They are now only four and a half games back in the New York Yankees. And if they had won the last game of that series, they would only be two and a half games back because that was a, that was a two game swing. So I, I think that the Yankees have a whole lot to be worried about. And the Astros, there's, it's needless to say, plus 169 run differential, 87 and 49. Great team. This is going to be a very fun. Honestly, I think one of the most fun playoffs to watch, just looking at the teams and the skill sets of these teams. And, and very recent, I think it's my favorite playoffs of all time was the David Freeze walk-off playoffs where Joe Buck just went absolutely like he, he nut into the microphone. But uh, I think this could top it. I'm very excited for this year's playoffs, regardless of if the Phillies make it or not. Yeah, for me, I don't think anything can top the 03 playoffs. Um, maybe maybe 2022 <laughs> can. Uh... Miguel Cabrera turned 19 years old. Though. Yeah, the, those those are the days sitting in my crib late late night, um, you know, watching these these playoffs unfold. But for me, but, but real quick, by crib he means the literal sense. He's not talking about like the pad. He's not talking about the spot. He's talking about the crib. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for clarifying that. The top three teams. I yeah, I had I had in my gut that the White Sox were in the division, but I just my gut doesn't see that anymore. They've just disappointed for too too long that I just do not see them winning the division. I want I want to you know give the Twins a chance because they they are my number three team. I think. Yeah, they made they made additions at the deadline as far as pitching rotation. I mean, Tyler Maley has struggled with staying healthy, but if he's healthy, um, obviously a nice boost to that rotation and the lineup. A little bit concerning, obviously, with Byron Buxton injured and some other players just not playing. Obviously, you saw Gary Sanchez almost get hit um in the face by a by a guy in the on deck circle. So that that would have been another player down there. Probably significant damage, but uh, Twins at three. The number two, the Yankees. Um, what a what a historically bad second half this has been for them, and obviously the injuries has caught up to them. Guys just not playing as well as they were to start the season. I mean, the one constant has been Aaron Judge. He has not slowed down, looking like he's going to break every possible record. Obviously, win MVP. There's no doubt about that, but. You know, one player can only do so much, and the rest of the team has just not been there to support him. We've all said that the Yankees weren't going to be the one seed, and and that's looking like it's holding true the rest of the rest of the way with the Yankees. What five and a half, six games behind the Astros now, so the Astros will be the number one seed. Um, up and down that lineup, up and down that rotation, just as deep as it gets. The Astros are a fun team to watch, and I know they have their checkered past, but I mean, I think that should be put a little bit behind them. This is a new you know, roster of players for the most part, and it's a talented bunch of players, and they're making a another significant threat at, at being in the World Series again, which is remarkable to think about. It is, and, you know, like I said, this is I'm excited for this playoffs. I, I am probably the most excited I've been as a sports fan since this time last year. The Phillies were in a playoff <laughs> race. The season was starting. I was getting ready to watch the Cowboys lose the opening game of the year. Life was great. I mean, I, I had to walk around with Brendan wearing a fucking Dak Prescott jersey for about 48 hours in a row. All for it to come to a screaming halt. Same thing happened to my Phillies playoffs, so it's a screaming halt. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of excitement in the sports world right now. Absolutely. 
Great episode, Jet. Great episode, Tom. Long one. Long one. If you made it this far in the episode, yeah. I want you to DM us. <laughs> nothing about a sandwich. DM us or just text us if you have our numbers. I mean, we're not exclusively giving those out, but just text us to say, boys. And I, I need this in, like, you can't mess up any single letter of this. Boys, I made it this motherfucking far. And if, if we get that text, you'll get a free limited edition 25-8 sportscast sticker. Uh, you know, it'll look great. You can do the advertising for us without even saying a word. Yeah. And, it's, and it's a great looking sticker. Yeah. So. And by the way, sorry, not sorry to all the people that are just tuning in for the first time, listening to the power rankings. Since this episode has reached the <laughs> maximum megabytes, there will be no timestamps recorded or listed on this episode's description. There will be. There will be. You'll, you'll figure it out. You'll just have to listen to it. But, uh. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening to 258 Sportscast. I'm your host, Tommy Fink. And alongside me today, as always, is my side, Brett Rosenstein. Uh, Brett, Brett, Chet, anything you'd like to say before we get out of here? No, let's uh, let's get this football season underway. Enough baseball. I'm tired of watching it. Oh, I, I, let me quickly preview our next episode for you guys. We're going to start a new series. Just, just one thing. NFL Pick'ems. We're going to pick literally every game of the entire NFL season. Um, and we're Jet and I are going to go head to head and maybe we'll have some guests on and do something with that as well, but it's going to be fun. Absolutely. It's going to be Dave a fun. Davis got... is coming on the show to did. preview the Thursday night game. Exactly. <laughs> He's coming on tomorrow. He's coming on on a Wednesday to preview his, his game the next day. <laughs> Tell everybody in the world their game plan. All right. A lot of story for you guys coming up. Thanks so much for listening. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Have a great rest of your night. Morning.